we feel like the most sustainable businesses in 10, 15 years are going to be the ones that tap into the younger generations that have a focus on bringing on you know, those students, the, the younger workers, developing their training programs, doing everything they can to really grow their workforce from within. We have all these tools, these resources that companies can attract workers um, using and uh, you know, really pushing and, and trying to grow that pool of, of younger workers so that we can then be a conduit into you know, great careers and positions for them. Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan, I am your episode host, and today I have the opportunity to welcome two industry leaders from the team at Classit, an educational and recruiting platform designed to connect potential talent with a career in the world of skilled trades. Nick Jones, co-founder, and Johnny Rooney, head of partnerships, are working to meet the challenge of recruiting and growing the skills workforce, while also providing key resources and modern messaging to attract the next generation of talent. Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, let us get started. Today, I have two new voices to the podcast. I am joined by Nick Jones, co-founder and sales and operations over at Classit, as well as Johnny Rooney, head of partnerships at Classit. Nick and Johnny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. Good to have you guys with us today. Um, it's fun for us to bring on different voices, hear from different perspectives, you guys certainly have an interesting one based upon the world that you live in and the work that you do dealing with uh, the trades, recruiting, the career gap that exists. So I thought it was a it, it was a good conversation to bring to out of the hourglass because as we know, recruiting in the trades is just a number one challenge that continues to exist. And the more we can talk about it, the more of the opportunities that exist to to minimize that problem. We're, all, we're here for it. So before we jump into the conversation, I'd love for you guys to each introduce yourselves so our audience gets a, an idea of um, who you all are. So Johnny, let's start with you. Um, tell us you know, who you are, where you're from, and what you do at Classit. Absolutely. I was I was a little worried you were going to throw in an icebreaker there. I was trying to guess which one it was going to be, but oh, that might um, that's a good uh, idea for my future. Hopefully that didn't prompt you too. But uh, so my <laughs> name's Johnny Rooney. I am the head of partnerships over here at uh, Classit. I'm out of the suburbs of uh, Chicago, and uh, I work daily with uh, business owners, uh, recruiting departments, operations team to talk. Uh, hiring strategy and, and potentially see if there could be a fit for uh, partnership with with what we do. So um, thanks a lot for having us, Molly. I know we've had a couple conversations up to this point, and it's always good talking with uh, people who have the same kind of passion as, as we do. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And Nick, how about yourself? So I'm Nick Jones. I'm uh, one of our co-founders. Um, I was born and raised in Denver, currently based in Chicago. Um, and I work on the operations side, which is obviously a, a bit of a catch-all term, but uh, I spend the majority of my time working with partners on uh, sort of both sides of the equation. So that's businesses that are you know, struggling to hire, looking for a better solution to grow their workforce. But then it's also 
you know, organizations and, and community partners who are looking to uh, get more people into trades careers. Love it. And so we're going to, we're going to going to dive right in, but first I got to say, love Chicago. We were just talking about it's winter time or you guys are feeling that the start of winter. Um, so anybody, we have a couple of clients in, in, in Chicago as well. So um, may the winter begin for you all. <laughs> um, okay. Let's go, you know, Nick, what is Classit? It's a, it, I know it's a somewhat newer company in terms of, you know, business life. Um, you guys have been obviously work in uh, the the industry for a little while now, but what is Classit and where did the concept start, start, you know, come from to build a business like this? Yeah, the the simplest way to think about Classit really is the the hiring toolbox for the skilled trades world. So we we have aimed to build a solution specifically for the owners and operators of small businesses across the country who are in you know this this skilled trades space. We are generally concentrated in what you might refer to as uh, the building trades. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to to make that process, which can be incredibly, uh, you know, time consuming, uh, can be incredibly expensive of growing your team, building your workforce so that you can grow revenue as simple and as off the shelf as possible. Um, in terms of how we, we started the business, um, we're a team of six right now. Previously, four of us worked together at our last business, which we started in, in 2015, and that was an on-demand staffing platform really in the industrial world. So you can think of that as, uh, you know, warehousing, logistics, some light manufacturing. Uh, There was some event staffing within that as well. But the social mission of our last business that we were all really energized by was that we were going to create a, a better way to work. So if you had uh, you know, sort of tougher life circumstances, if you were a single parent, if you were a veteran, if you were a student and you couldn't work in that sort of nine to five, Monday to, fi- to Friday construct, mm-hmm. uh, you could work at sort of a patchwork of different employers. You could do it in a really seamless way, connect to employers through our app. Um, and in doing so, you could also still retain the benefits of being a W-2 employee. You know, you can accrue paid time off. You can be covered by workers' comp. You could qualify for benefits. So that was the the social aspect that we were really excited about. And objectively, that business was was pretty successful. But a key thing that we didn't feel like we accomplished was really leveling up any of the employees that were using our system. And and a big learning was that, you know, if you're not bringing a differentiated skill set to the table, you're really always going to be sort of one to two missed paychecks away from some pretty serious financial implications. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've since moved on from that business, the four of us, it's, it's still running today and, you know, some great learnings through that, but we started to try to revisit that same concept of how can we bring more people into economic stability and are obviously very cognizant of the fact that college is very far from the right path for everybody. Um, so started to, to explore that same challenge and I think you, you don't get very far in that conversation without uh, starting to explore the skilled trades. Um, right. You know, the the paths into entrepreneurship, the amazing earning potential, and then just the absolute dire shortage of this workforce um, really kind of, you know, in, in aggregate made us a, a no-brainer for us to, to get involved in these fields. So 
started Classet about uh, a year and a half ago and, and have been building since. I love it. I love like the mission behind it. And I also didn't kind of realize um, the former business that you had and that social aspect to it, which is um, really commendable. I mean, there's so many people who probably fit into that facet that you, um, the single moms, the people who can't, can't work the, the typical hours. There's so many great skilled people out there who are needing those, that work, but they just can't fit into the conformity of what the typical workday looks like. So you, absolutely. And, a, and a big learning, you know, through that was the, the, the best employees in the industrial world, you know, the, the best employees and then the, the lower spectrum, right. The, the ones who are not super dependable or, or maybe just are, are not super respectful of their coworkers or supervisors. There's not a wide pay gap between the two of them, between the person who's showing up for work on time every day and kind of has the right raw materials, but there's not a really practical way for them to increase their earning power. Um, and we think that that is not the case in the trades, right? If you have a hardworking, dependable employee who wants to learn, who wants to grow, uh, your ceiling is so high within Absolutely. these fields. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, with so many of the clients that we work with um, in the trade space, there is some really great earning opportunity um, as they, you know, from starting with the apprentice level, even kind of the starting wage these days has really, you know, the cost of living has certainly gone up, but the starting wage has really has to become more competitive because of course there's, everybody is competing for that workforce, but a lot are really focusing on their training programs, learning pathways that are giving people that, that ladder to really climb and build their earning potential, which, which is fantastic. And I mean, very much like we want more folks to know that you guys clearly are on that same mission, which is why it makes so much sense for us to be on this podcast uh, together right now. So let's talk about careers in the trades. Cause again, trying to really, you know, shout from the rooftops, how much potential that there is here. And we know recruiting is a number one, one problem. How just through the research that you guys have done, you know, what just things kind of have you guys discovered, um, through the starting of Classed and building a lot of the tools behind, uh, teaching of what the different trades are. What are some things that you guys learned? And maybe Johnny, I'll kick this to you. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, since we've kind of touched on the entrepreneurial aspect of these types of careers, like that's one of the, the biggest things is I talk to business owners um, and have these discussions with them. It's, it's kind of crazy and wild to me how many of these business owners started as an apprentice 20 years ago uh, and have used those skill sets to, to, to build uh, their own company and, and make it sustainable and, and successful. So um, that's something that has really stood out to, to me as far as the opportunities within these roles. It's just how far people advance within these careers pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but another thing in, in the research that we've done, there obviously is this, this major shortage of workers in, in, these, in these roles. And uh, I read an article earlier this week that had a really interesting data point um, from the Bureau of, of Labor Statistics, and that being uh, 20 years ago, 11% of the workforce within the construction and, and trade space was 55 years or older. Uh, in this current day and age, 22% of the uh, workforce is 55 or older. So that number has doubled within the last uh 20 years. And it's a trend that's not really slowing down. So you had touched on this a little bit, but companies are going to have to get 
super competitive with what they're offering for these types of, of roles, whether it's different types of wages increases or packages or um, training programs. There is this impending kind of fall off of, of the workforce. So what we think might be a shortage right now is going to be even worse in five years. Um, so the opportunity to get into these roles is going to be driven by this. And, and like you mentioned, that the higher wages, but also that path to entrepreneurship is something that also stands out to me. So really, I mean, the goal is really looking to, by closing this gap that exists, um, providing a, like a conduit to this new generation for them to learn about the quality of careers that have that economic stability, that have that career potential or, or earnings potential. So you kind of go, if this is where we want, where do we have to start to really begin, you know, understanding the initial problem and begin fi fixing it at where the, where the problem really lies Nick, where have you guys seen where like the best initiative to start is? Where does the problem like really exist that you think you guys can have um, emphasis on changing? Yeah, it's a great question. So we when we were starting the business, I think we we knew that there was a really pronounced skills gap, you know, based on the market and talking to business owners. And, and there's really no shortage of uh, statistics that really illustrate that. When we were trying to think through where we could make the biggest impact, we went right to uh, the ground floor, which we perceived as going right into high schools. Um, mm -hmm. So both of my parents are teachers. We were able to sort of parlay that into some great introductions and spent a lot of time just going around to different high schools with the simple question of what are you doing to support your non-college bound students? And, and just from the huge range of answers that you get to that question, it, it's so apparent that there is just a, a big challenge with, with supporting any student that doesn't want to go the university track. So what we found is your ability to start and kind of get on the right track in a trades career, if you want to become an electrician and you're a senior in high school, is going to be super reflexive of one teacher's knowledge or one guidance counselor's knowledge of the local market. Okay, I yeah. know somebody at the local union or who runs their own business, and they'll be able to sort of help you get on the right track and start to build a career. So it's sort of very bespoke and it, it happens very piecemeal. Whereas if you consider the three of us independently, if we were sort of tasked with the project of get this student into college, we would all pretty well know how to do that. And it would be pretty consistent, right? It's okay. We're mm -hmm. going to focus on your test scores and your extracurriculars and your GPA. And there you go. And there's no yeah. equivalence on the trade side of things to, to help more students start those career paths. So that brought us right away to, okay, we need to focus on creating a set of just off the shelf resources that teachers don't need to learn that is not very labor intensive for them to roll out to their students. And that really sort of takes it to how students are going to think about things. And that's, that's short-term videos and that's talk about the benefits and the earning potential um, and do it in a way that, you know, you're not sort of forcing a lot of curriculum on teachers who already tend to be pulled in in a lot of different directions. So there were some great learnings just from spending time in the high schools as we were getting started. That's kind of one of the things that really um, initially drew me to the work you guys were doing. And, and, and this has come up in previous conversations, but 
the resources that you all have, the periodic table of the trades and you click in, you can really learn about what um, a certain trade job is like. What are the skills required? What's the expected pay, you know, pay range? Um, what kind of training is involved? I mean, and then resources to learn more about. I mean, and then the the skills quiz that you guys also take or, or have so that you can go on and answer some questions about what it is that you personally like or when you see a video, a TikTok video, or do you want to learn more about this? And the more you respond to it, gives you some op, you know potential opportunities of maybe some trades that you might want to explore. So you're meeting people at this generation where they're at how they are best going to consume that type of information. We can't expect every gen every generation um, takes in information differently these days. And we got to, the technology has to, has to meet us where we're at. One thing I, I, I heard recently from an, an acquaintance um, there, and this kind of, it falls right into this conversation. Their kids, um, they grew up in Switzerland and the education path in Switzerland is very different where they get to a certain level and it's either decided if they're on a college track course or they're on a trades course. And both courses are fantastic. They both provide opportunity, but a decision is made a little bit earlier on, like 14, maybe 15 years old. They can always switch over depending upon how, you know, what where interests lie. But um, this person's daughter is, um, went the trades course route and now they are taking classes and learning how to become, um, um, a plain mechanical engineer. I may be saying that, that, that phrase wrong, but they are spending two days on site working in working and learning the tools and basically doing an apprenticeship and then three days in, in a college, you know, in school doing, you know, learning other things. By the time they graduate, they will have a skill that will be so transferable and could work at any airport for any, um, any type of business in, related to that, to the, that skill anywhere in the world. And so they're basically from that young age, she's being set up for success in, in a pathway. She's being provided the resources, the, the training so young, and it's so different in the States. It's when you're in high school, you're such the messaging you hear is such a college bound track and you lose so many kids in with, with, with that language. Um, we've all talked about, you know, being in our own schooling environments, how the, the vocational schools, the trade schools just didn't have that. Um, there was no great pull to them. Like it we didn't, it wasn't, talked about like a great opportunity. It almost was like, uh, well, if you can't cut it, go there. And yeah, that, yeah. that messaging so young is awful. Yeah. I think that's the, that specific messaging probably helps a, a ton, just kind of labeling both of them as great opportunities yeah. while we see, and we know that this one path going into the trades is a great opportunity. Like you mentioned, coming out of high school, it's almost like college is a must. Like you have to go to college to be successful, things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very interesting to learn. That's the way they're, they're, they're doing things over there. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I would like to learn more about it just because it, it, you know, the more we can all learn different perspectives on the way, like different, um, different places, um, operate and, and how, like, what systems that they have as part of their, um, whether it's their healthcare or their education. I mean, we're all, we're all better for it. So we're not kind of living in a vacuum. Um, 
so realizing that this problem goes back to or where things really can be initiated is at, at the high school level. Obviously, talked about the resources, getting them to consume things in the right way. Um, how are you guys now with Classit? How are you guys um, partnering with those types of um, connections to help kind of basically spread the tools that you, and, and make more awareness of the tools that you guys have? Yeah, so to your point, uh, there, there's a just real stigma attached to to going into these careers. So we so we think starting right there is the right way to do it. And and the way that I often hear uh, trades referred to is that they're they're Plan Z. Uh, yeah. You know, no one no one aspires to start these careers, which which is so backwards. You know, for all the reasons that we just discussed. So goes back to you know the the resources that we've built being very much off the shelf anyone can log in and use them there there is no cost to use any of them so we give them away um and it's interesting we're seeing more and more traffic that is coming from from public schools from different vocational schools just to explore how to get started how to get licensed how to build your career so our aspiration is always to to give them away for free to anyone who is who is considering exploring a, a trades career. We absolutely don't want to gatekeep on that front because it's just going to work against everybody. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's no chance that that you would you know be successful if you're going to sort of cordon off you know access to to a tool that is going to allow people to explore careers. So that's the starting point is really just giving them away for free and uh, would love to to continue to build up our presence across the public school system. That's a huge priority for us just to say here is, you know, an, an outlet for kids to explore different career paths. Um, on the, the same hand, there are a ton of organizations that really do amazing work and uh, around sort of career entry or second careers or veterans who are transitioning um, the Home Builders Institute is a great example, but there are in every major city, there's a, a network essentially of nonprofit organizations that focus on this same thing specifically within trades. What we saw was generally lacking. It, it kind of goes back to that same problem of as a high school senior, your ability to get into a good job is going to be reflexive of one person's knowledge of what the opportunities are. That's pretty similar to what we see amongst kind of the nonprofit space. There are these kind of individual bespoke partnerships in Denver, in Boston, in San Antonio. Um, They don't have sort of a systemic way and scaled up way to reach hundreds or thousands of employers who are looking to hire. So it really slows down that kind of matchmaking process, their ability to facilitate getting their graduates or, or any uh, potential candidates that they're supporting into these careers. So the same way we give all we give away our tools for free um, and our website have made it very simple. Here's a way to search every apprenticeship in your area, every trade school in your area, every company that is hiring for entry level positions and experienced mm-hmm. positions, trying to make it just the absolute easiest resource possible to find careers within this subset as opposed to being you know, really mixed into the the traffic and the noise on Indeed, where, you know, the largest yeah. spender is going to get the most attention and the largest spender. So if you think of, you know, the, the Amazon warehouse or going to work at Walmart, there's not a great future within those careers. So true. We've talked a lot about that just internally with our clients, like the getting your, your job posting to place well on Indeed is a game. 
it's it's a money game. It's a timing game. It's like starting and restopping your ad at different like at different times and and putting more money at di- at different times, and that's that's just that's too cumbersome. At the end of the day, and so it's like, what are the, these are the other avenues of how? Um, I mean, one, and I, I would recommend to all of our clients, and I actually would ask this question of you all too, but what what clients and what what people in the trades can do with business owners what what companies in the you know in the landscaping industry and gcs and roofing painting you know these these um, organizations in their communities how can they best um outside of posting the ads what can they be doing to support uh the continuous work that you all are doing is it is it you know working with the nonprofits is it like how, I guess I wonder what if it, this is a problem that we're all trying to combat. How can indiv- individual companies be a part of the solution? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I would definitely uh, advocate there. There are several nonprofits in every major city, and and not even a, a major city that are focused on that same mission. How can we upskill more employees? How can we get them into careers? And, and they're really providing a lot of the wraparound services as well, down to the point of how are we going to help you with transportation out to the job site? Um, so getting involved at the nonprofit level or at the public school level uh, is always great. And, and there's so many people who are willing to, you know, work with you to, to sort of help accommodate what your needs are as a hiring manager, just to try to get more people an opportunity into these careers. The second thing that I would, would really advocate for is, um, there's this sort of muscle memory amongst every business to, to really go right to the resume. And that often does even great candidates a a real disservice because sometimes even your 25 year, you know, absolutely stellar craftsman is going to have a a terrible resume or none at all. Um, So what we really also focus on and and something that, you know, we talk to every business that we work with about it is really trying to look for the context that you're not going to get from a resume, looking at a portfolio of their work, understanding their recommendations and endorsements from previous coworkers or previous employers, and sort of being more willing to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, take a chance on employees who don't look super polished on paper, because really that sort of, uh, you know, white collar hiring motion where you're looking at a resume and you're looking at their LinkedIn just doesn't lend itself in the same way to the trade no. world. It's, to- it's two different types of people. Absolutely. Yeah. And like as, as a, as a part of that, it comes down to, I think the, on the approach, especially if you are looking to connect with people at the high school level, they're not going to have you know, the standard resume and the LinkedIn profile. And so being aware of the the type of individuals you're looking to attract and, and then retain in your, in your business is not going to be someone who has maybe been in the field for so long. And so again, it's kind of why I love what you all are doing is because so much of what we like to encourage our clients to do is um, hire for attitude, you know, train for skill. And so to be getting somebody in who's young and motivated, wants to learn, is eager, you know, at that high school level or, you know, post high school graduate, um, we can train. And, part, you know, that's a the training um, 
the, the training direction is one that a, a lot of businesses most are doing, but a lot don't still don't have training programs. And I think that is a, um, a focus that for companies to succeed and to be successful in their hiring process, are going to have to learn that training is essential. And having an apprentice program that is willing and open to to this training, to to taking on young, eager, um, good attitude individuals is only going to um, it's going to be one of the, the things that helps them um, really elevate the opportunity for recruiting. Um, recruiting is is one of the things I certainly want you know want to hit with you guys because obviously it's a big part of what you do at Classit. Um, you know, on on the other side of the education component. We've talked about, especially in the, this time of year when we're, you know, having this conversation is the annual planning time. It's budgeting. So companies are looking at their revenue cookbook for next year and they're trying to figure out what their revenue goals are going to be. And in this space, the, the revenue is really dependent upon how many people are producing feet on the street. And to get those feet on the street goals, we've we've all talked about, and anybody who's listened to our podcast before knows, if you want to have you know twenty people working every day, and you need to hire you know ten more, you need to bring in so many more applicants to actually hit that ten. I think Catherine Freeman was saying, for every one hire, you should anticipate having to go through one hundred to one hundred and fifty potential applicants. I mean, that's crazy. That, that that obviously is a lot of work on the rec- the recruiting side, on the interviewing side. So um, how has Classit looked to mitigate that problem and you know being almost an extension of an HR company or an HR department um, for for the trades? Johnny, maybe I'll flip this one to you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, <clears throat> so everything you said is just correct. And I would say about ninety five to one hundred percent of the business owners that I, uh, talk to are uh, have their personnel as a main priority, whether that's the hiring, the training, the retention. Um, mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned, revenue growth of the company is usually directly correlated with uh, the personnel they have out out in the field, the numbers, yep. the quality, um, the quality of them. So uh, it, it comes up all the time as far as it being a, a priority. And um, for smaller business owners and even some of the larger companies we work with. Uh, recruiting is really a kind of full contact, super scrappy within this space. It comes down to a couple things. One of them being, you know, a lot of people think if they post a job on a job board, getting that 150 candidates uh, and only ending up talking to, to one is a result of candidates being unreliable. But also um, we see that companies oftentimes uh, just don't have the time, the resources to be super reliable on their end either, whether it's not getting back to candidates in time, um, whether it's not, you know, advertising or optimizing their job posts to to put a true picture out in front of what the candidate can actually expect. Um, There's a lot of components on the client side or the company side uh, that we just really work with them to, to to streamline, to optimize, uh, like, as you mentioned, act as that almost HR department for, for people who don't have 20, 30 hours a week to track down those 150 applicants. Right. So, um, you know, we, we really want to be a, a resource for these companies that, uh, you know, might not just have the resources or time themselves to, to be um, putting in on this side uh, in a space that it's really, really important to be executing on and, and quick and, and reliable for these candidates. 
Um, so in terms of the the recruiting work that you all do, what are some kind of standout features that you think really play a role in the success of funneling the right candidate, right candidates through? Yeah. So uh, we really look at it um, in, in three different ways. The first of which is for companies that are looking to hire skilled labor right now. You know, they they need um, oftentimes, you know, it, and we see this in different parts of the year, but their business leads are growing. They don't have enough workers to, to fulfill those needs. Um, so on that side, we have developed tools and resources to really help manage the sourcing component, the screening component, the engagement with these workers um, so that, you know, when a, once a worker applies, they're being followed up with within an hour of, of them applying. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a super easy application, uh, a couple things built in that are really enabling them to feel great about this hiring process for, you know, company XYZ that's reaching out quickly. Um, so on the hiring now side, uh, you know, building and constantly developing tools uh, that allow us to really automate a lot of that top of funnel where we see that huge drop off for customers. The second piece is engagement of, you know, leads within this space. We like to think about it as, you know, you, you kind of need to be treating an applicant or a candidate the same way you'd be treating a, a business lead, like nurturing it and, and following yeah. up um, tools, tools that allow you to engage and you know, if someone might not be interested right now or you're not able to get a hold of them, we've built you know auto messaging tools and follow-up tools for ways that you know you can stay in touch with with workers and candidates um, so that you can kind of build that that workforce for the uh, the future. And the last piece, the third piece is something we've talked about a lot today, but um, you know we feel like the most sustainable businesses in 10, 15 years are going to be the ones that tap into the younger generations that have a focus on bringing on you know, those students, the, the younger workers, developing their training programs, um, doing everything they can um, to really grow their workforce from within. So you know, as Nick had mentioned, and as we've gone over, we have all these tools, these resources that companies can attract workers um, using and uh, you know, really pushing and, and trying to grow that pool of, of younger workers so that we could then be a conduit into you know, great careers and positions for them. I love it. The one of the things of treating a um, an applicant like a lead and the nurturing components really interesting. But also, if that applicant doesn't get back to you or you know to the recruiting process right away, that you don't just like delete it. That that you hold on to that applicant as a potential in the future. Um, there's you know like like you would if you were wanting to to remarket to past customers or to market to to leads that you weren't able to close on initially like having that that database of potential em- employees is awesome um and i do totally agree that the responsiveness immediately to an applicant coming through the door to kind of catch them while they're still thinking about it is is crucial and as as, as much as a lot of us who are looking to hire people want to say that we can be that responsive. It's really hard to be, to be immediate to that applicant coming through when you're trying to handle it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So when it comes to, um, when somebody does apply for, to a, a posting that has been, you know, put through, your, tell us about a little bit how your team engages with them. And, and so when does it get to in front of the client, in front of the company who's looking to hire? 
Uh, Nick, do you want to touch on on this this piece, just the screening component? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and and Johnny talked about this a, a little bit, but what we really focus on is trying to create this, you know, white glove experience for applicants, which is super distinct, especially in these fields. So, you know, Johnny kind of mentioned there's ghosting that happens on both sides. The typical motion, if you're an applicant, is to go through and you click and you apply to 30 different jobs and maybe you hear back from two of them. And if you're on the employer side, you post an ad and you get 30 applicants coming in and maybe you hear back from two of them. So there's just, there's not a great connection point between the two of them. So the way that we really focus on controlling that uh, starts off having a distributed presence across every you know possible source. So maintaining marketing across the job boards, across social media, running our programmatic advertising, dipping into the community partnerships that we've talked about. Um, and we run all of that through what we generally refer to as a smoke break application. Uh, if you're out on a job site, uh, if you are commuting, whatever it is, we don't want to demand more than you know five minutes of their time to get an application through. And then we're trying to engage with them within hours or less than an hour, which is such a differentiated experience for the candidates to put in an application and be on the phone with someone that same day. Yeah. When we get them on the phone, we're going to run through sort of the basics of the position with them. And it generally kicks off with somewhat of a, of a sales pitch, which again is very different. So if you think about, you know, a, a software engineer who's applying for a job at Google, there's this very white glove sort of concierge process where you're saying, I'll be your point of contact and I'm going to walk you through the hiring process and here are the next steps. And we want to replicate that same experience, but bring it into trades. So it starts off with talking to them about the position and then what are you looking for? What, what is the hourly rate that you're hoping to accomplish? What are you looking to accomplish longer term in your career? And then we're helping them fill in the resume a little bit too, uh, understanding that there are so many gaps. Hey, what, what were you doing from 2010 to 2020? There's this big gap here. No big deal, but you know, just help me understand your background sort of filling that in and then just making that human connection right off the bat. And then we're facilitating next steps between the candidate and the companies that we're working with. So the ideal candidate experience is that you fill out a job application on Monday morning, you're talking to us at lunchtime, you're talking to the hiring manager Tuesday morning, you're in for an in-person and you have an offer by Friday. We want to maintain a very lean, quick process that you're simply not going to be able to do if you're you know, managing 100 other competing priorities running your own business. We sort of give you the you know, SWAT team recruiting approach uh, with the click of a button. I love that SWAT team recruiting approach. That's awesome. What do you guys hope for the future of Classit down the line? I don't think I really pose this question ahead of time, but I'd love to kind of hear you know, what each of your thoughts are and where, where Classit will be in a couple of years. It's a fun question. Um, yeah, it's fun to the, dream, right? Sure, sure. So to to tie both pieces of the business together, and the reason that we view recruiting as so complementary to a lot of the sort of education initiatives that we're focused on, is because it's the same sort of hiring motion by these businesses, and it comes back to us being the the you know the toolbox for hiring in the skilled trades world. So. As a business owner, you know, we help you grow the workforce that you need to keep your customers happy and keep your business growing today. And at the same time, give you a very consistent conduit and pipeline of 
candidates that want to start their careers that are going to be eager and they're going to be your high ROI employees in you know two, three, five years down the road. So continuing to tie those things together and, and helping more businesses to bring more talent into these fields is a huge, uh, a huge piece of things. Long-term, what we think the real unlock really is, is allowing any business to become a net manufacturer of new skilled trades talent. So ways that we can simplify, we can accelerate the training process. Again, if you are a small business owner, you don't have the resources to dedicate towards building out an apprenticeship, building out a really comprehensive training program. So continuing to look for ways that we can accelerate that and meet candidates where they are with short form video, with engaging content. That's really what we'd like to continue focusing on uh, just to get more people into these fields and, and be a meaningful contributor to closing the skilled trades gap. I love it. John, anything to add there? Yeah, I, I will say so. Plus one on every single thing that that Nick said. I, I initially had joined Classit. I think I it only took maybe three or four articles to to read that Nick had, had sent me over just about this skills gap and in the trends and in all of that. Um, and I knew with with this team and um, that we could make an impact on uh, the space. But what I'm really excited about, and Nick had kind of touched on it too. It's like. Every week, every month, I see these tools that we're building that are really helping the next generation. Mm -hmm. And while it's not going to be the uh, you know an overnight fix, it's it's a really big kind of problem to to, to tackle. Um, I love seeing the the progress that Classit is making, not only on the recruiting side, but a lot of these resources and tools for that next gener generation. Um, I, I think Nick had mentioned that's the really big unlock for a lot of these these companies. So. As we can continue to learn from these businesses we're talking with, learn from um, our candidates, I, I'm really just kind of excited about the the future of the the space and how we can make an impact. I mean, it's a total win-win all around. I mean, one to be helping um, young individuals find the career fit that they're meant to do to help businesses, you know, fill their recruiting gaps. I mean, it's good to to have a job or to, to build a company that's doing good in the world. Like you, you can, you, you know what your purpose is and like there's, there's good behind it all, which I think is awesome too. So uh, I think it's a rewarding uh, trajectory that you guys are all on. Um, how did the, where did the name classic come from? How'd you guys name the company? So we, we went through a couple iterations of what we thought this business was going to be but the the core premise uh again kind of just going back to the you know the issues that you can read about every day is that the the ROI on going to college is so backwards so what we were thinking about originally is uh is how can we be an engine to finance more trade school education so class ed is class plus asset uh, if you are going to school if you are investing in your education, you should expect to see some return on that. Uh, you should have market ready skills and, and you should be ready to put that to work and start to build a career, which is you know, not the case if you are a poetry major. Uh, no yep. disrespect to any potential poetry majors who, who might listen, uh, but that is, uh, that's the origin of the name. No, it's so true. I mean, I'm a liberal arts you know, major, political science outside of writing, you really, you don't, you don't graduate college with any hard skills. Right. 
And that can be really intimidating for a lot of people. Okay, you graduate, now what? What am I supposed to do without that four years of education? And you know, what 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 are the doors? And of course, extra schooling, there's always more more avenues for that. But so to be able to provide those hard skills upon a graduation uh of in of an of an investment that you have made both, you know, in, in your potential career is fantastic. For any listener who wants to um, learn more about Classit or learn more about your recruiting opportunities or even learn about the education um, resources that you guys have, what's what's the best way for them to to connect with you all? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, happy to share both of our, our information. Um, I'm available to connect at r- really any time. And email is simple, just johnny at classet.org. Uh, C-L-A-S-S-E-T.org. And, um, you know, I could provide the, the phone number as follow-up too, Molly, if you want to share that. But, uh, you know, we're happy to talk about really anything within this space at any time. So um, feel free to give me a, a call or shoot me an email. Awesome. Fantastic. And um, just from a, a website perspective, it's classit.org, correct? Correct. And in there right. are if someone wants to get in touch that way, there are ways to to go through the website as well. If they're just looking to, to read some content or, or resources, um, have at it. There's a lot of good good information on there. Perfect. Well, we will yeah. be sure to link that information uh, in the podcast notes. Nick, anything else you'd like to add? Oh, so I was, uh, yeah, going to add on that we'll have a, a landing page specifically for uh, anyone who's interested in learning more that uh, that we'll send over to you. Uh, awesome. I just think we'll give our, our contact information and uh, and how to work with us for those that are interested. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, um, for me, it's a, I love the conversation because it really, it opens up the door to um, just a, a problem that so many of our clients are dealing with. Um, and really it's, hoping to serve the next generation with an opportunity for, for career growth. So, um, I love what you guys are doing. I love the, the opportunity to continue the conversation, um, forward and, uh, maybe we'll check back in, in a, in a year or so and see where you guys are at and see where, you know, what's going on in the classic world and what you guys have, uh, have learned. Cause I feel like you're in such a space where, as you are adding more resources and building on more things, I mean, you guys are becoming experts in this in this field of this of this gap, and I go to the experts to learn how to solve the problem, right? We would definitely be excited for a sequel. Okay, all right, good stuff. Hopefully we'll have a lot more to to report on at at that point. But we, um, yeah, we really appreciate you um, having us on in the grateful for the conversations we've been able to have up to uh, this point. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much, Nick, Johnny, appreciate the time. And uh, until next time. Thank you, Molly. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.